Next on PIJN News, Dr. Chaps reports on these important issues. Donald Trump hosts a VIP meeting with evangelical leaders in New York City. Was it enough to get the church vote on board? We're going to interview Dr. Rick Scarborough, who was at that meeting right now. Former Navy Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt took a stand to defend religious freedom by daring to pray publicly in Jesus' name. Now he helps you by reporting the news, discerning the spirits, and praying the scriptures. Would you pray with us? Here's Dr. Chaps. God bless you in Jesus' name. My name is Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt, Dr. Chaps, and you're watching PIJN News. On this show, we like to do three things. We report the news, we discern the spirits, and we pray the scriptures in Jesus' name. But today we have a celebrity newsmaking interview live via Skype from Nacogdoches, Texas, is our returning guest and my longtime friend, Dr. Rick Scarborough of Vision America. Welcome, Rick, to the show. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you, chaps, and uh, thank the Lord for your, your good work there in Colorado and across the country. Well, thank you. So we've been following in the news that Donald Trump, the presumptive Republican nominee who may be the next president of the United States, has held a VIP meeting with over a thousand evangelical leaders in New York City. You went to this meeting, did you not? And why were you invited and who was there? Well, I, I was actually one of the conveners for the meeting of uh, CHAPS. Our organization was one of the sponsoring organizations. We, in fact, took nine of our employees, including uh, three executive level and six of our uh, assistants who helped uh, coordinate the more than 1,000 guests. Uh, I went because uh, I wanted to, to uh, hear and uh, meet uh, Donald Trump in person. I, I want to get beyond the veneer uh, and, and see if I could, in fact, vote for this man. Now, uh, I, it, it was no secret that I supported strongly uh, the, the junior senator from our state. Uh, I would have loved to have seen him achieve the nomination, but uh, when that uh, became uh, uh, quite clear that he, he wasn't going to have enough votes to get there. We uh, then uh, uh, began looking a little more carefully at at the uh, nominee of the Republican Party, being Donald Trump. Uh, this whole event evolved uh, out of conversations that we had with other leaders. Uh, we early on signed on uh, under the, the spirit of a conversation. It was not to be scripted. It was not to be... Um, uh, carefully crafted. We wanted an open dialogue between conservative leaders and the presumptive nominee of the Republican Party. And let me just quickly add that we gave the same uh, request for a conversation to the Democratic nominee, and, and we're happy to sit down with her if she will give us uh, uh, equal time. Uh, after some negotiation, and I, I must give kudos uh, to Ben Carson because he was he was really the intermediary that that, allowed, that was the catalyst for this thing coming to pass. Uh, but we finally uh, had this sit down last Tuesday. And, and um, I must say, there were things about it that I liked a lot and some things about it that I, weren't so, I was not so comfortable with. I'm now, I also heard, Rick, that, that uh, Mike Huckabee was the moderator. There was an open microphone. But I saw the transcript. Only about 10 national leaders got to ask questions. What? What was the vetting process for who was allowed in the room? Well, uh, the vetting process was just the, the, our only our main requirement. Well, two, 
you had to come by invitation of one of the original 40 conveners. You could not get in the room unless you were invited by one of the 40. But then we also looked across the Internet in various ways to discover and make sure that no never-Trumpers were there. Uh, we wanted people in the room who, who were at least open to the candidacy of Donald Trump. So never-Trumpers were not allowed, although many of those folks are good friends of mine. Okay. And what was Mike Huckabee's involvement? Well, Mike Huckabee was kind of late to the game. We uh, had a, another a person that we had uh, hoped would do the interviewing. But the, the Trump uh, campaign, right in the last stages of negotiations, well after many people had made their arrangements, began putting contingencies on us that, that, that fought, and that's part of the, the, the uh, discussion I'm a little uncomfortable with, and we finally had to make some concessions for the meeting to take place. But I will say that we believe that the outcome was very good. Uh, this, the discussions with Trump, while more narrowly focused than we had hoped, <laughs> were very informative. Uh, I found him to be quite transparent with us, and, and I believe we had a good meeting. Well, that's fantastic. Now, can you go on the record? Are you endorsing or not endorsing Donald Trump at this point? At this point in time, I'm not making a, a full-throated endorsement, but I will say at, uh, that I'm intending to vote for Donald Trump. I just don't see the, the alternative of another eight years of, of the same thing we've had. <clears throat> I'm afraid that, that uh, a Democratic president, especially of the, of the uh, background of Hillary Clinton, will bankrupt our country. Uh, I believe that she's unfit for office. Uh, I, I went to this meeting to see if I could vote for Donald Trump, I left the meeting convinced that I could, in fact, cast that ballot with a free conscience. Well, there you have it. Rick Scarborough is not endorsing Donald Trump, but willing to vote for him. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll find out what were the other questions that were asked in that room. This is PIJN News, defending your religious freedom. Dr. Chaps will be right back. Do you care about defending religious liberty? I know you do. And that's why I'm asking you to take action today. Don't just sit there, but do something. Visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org, and sign a petition that we will fax to Congress on your behalf. In fact, there are three specific petitions I want you to sign to defend military chaplains who are under fire. The first is to support H.R. 343. This is a bill introduced in Congress by my friend, Congressman Walter Jones of North Carolina, to protect free speech for military chaplains who are sometimes punished if they use the word Jesus in their prayers. Well, if you know my story, you know that I was punished in 2006, uh, even at court martial, because I used the word Jesus in my prayers in uniform in front of the White House. Well, I was later vindicated by Congress who said it's okay for me to do that. But did you know 65 other chaplains are now suing the Navy? I was not the only person. Our second petition I want you to sign is to protect military chapel buildings, which are being desecrated. Christian altars, Catholic or Protestant, are being desecrated by homosexual wedding ceremonies in all 50 states under this order by the Obama administration. Well, that deprives all of our soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines of a sacred worship space, which ought to be protected. And instead, they're gonna punish the chaplain if he won't turn over the keys to his chapel. Here's another petition I want you to sign, and this is to stop threatening court-martial for troops who talk about Jesus. Even recently, the Pentagon is saying, oh, we're going to threaten you with a crime of proselytizing. No, that's not right. Any soldier 
ought to be able to talk about his or her faith in Jesus Christ and to have that same religious freedom of speech that we sacrifice to give for others. When you sign these petitions, we will fax them to Congress and it's free. I want you to take action today. Sign these three important petitions at PrayInJesusName.org. Go there today. Empowering you, the grassroots activist. Here is Dr. Chaps. Welcome back, I'm Dr. Chaps, joined again by Dr. Rick Scarborough from Nacogdoches, Texas, leader of Vision America. Welcome back to the program, Dr. Rick. Rick, you were there, you were one of the prime organizers of this event with Donald Trump and the evangelical movement, over a thousand national leaders, and Donald Trump has not secured the church vote. If anything, like you said, the church vote went to Ted Cruz early on, and not, you know Donald Trump was out there saying he endorsed gay marriage, he wanted Bruce Jenner to use the ladies' bathroom at the Trump Tower. He's been on the wrong side of many of our issues, and I don't know if that was very attractive to the church voters. What was the environment like in the room? I imagine there was a lot of skepticism. Well, we had submitted a number of questions that we were, that we had uh, people scheduled to ask. Uh, part of the compromise in the last uh, 48 hours before the meeting took place was that that the the meeting itself would be confined to five or six questions. We actually had five questions posed uh, by key leaders. Uh, they were questions on these very issues that are of prime importance to the Christian community. Uh, I was uh, then asked, I was placed on a panel after the, after Trump, Mr. Trump left. Uh, there were nine of us that were asked then to share our thoughts about how the meeting had gone. And uh, my response uh, was really how I feel today. We asked specific questions. He gave information. Now, it, as you listened to his responses, uh, and they were more scripted than we would have liked them to have been, uh, the answers that he gave us contain conceptually answers that we could live with. For instance, when a question was asked by our good friend Kelly Shackelford about religious liberty and specifically about cases where people have lost their jobs for refusing to conduct a gay marriage, etc. Uh, rather than answer the specific questions, what he would do about that is he, he would give us answers like, I've already given a list of 11 judges, uh, very conservative. They're the kind of judges that, that I will appoint. Uh, you have my word that I will appoint uh, judges th that uh, believe in the original meaning of the Constitution. And, and when, you, when you analyzed his answers, you could draw assumptions that we would be very pleased with. I would have preferred a flea-flowing uh, conversation, which is what we originally had transacted. What we got was a more scripted meeting, but they were carefully crafted answers that gave us information that that we, uh, frankly, were pleased with. And uh, I think that's the reason that the large majority of those who uh, left the building that day had changed their mind, in many cases their votes, in favor of uh, the candidacy of, of, um, of uh, Mr. Trump. We know what we get with Hillary Clinton. She's had 25 plus years in the public um, arena. We don't know necessarily what we'll get with the Donald Trump. And I would like to discuss at some point the reports that came out uh, first in the New York Times and other places regarding the conversation and information that, that one of my colleagues and one of the conveners of this meeting, 
Dr. Dobson reported on over the weekend. Well, let me comment that on that. I've, I've, read, hope. I've read that Dr. James Dobson quoted one of his friends who is anonymous, we don't know, that said he prayed with Donald Trump to receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Now, you're an evangelist. You know that means that he, maybe he was born again. Do you believe that report? Well, I re believe the report very much so. Uh, James Dobson is a is a consecrated man of his word. So there's no question in my mind that someone who was knowledgeable, and boy, I was I was grateful for the, the detail in the New York Times of what a transaction with Christ is all about. Uh, somebody got it right in the report. It's the initial step. Uh, it's how evangelicals believe you enter into a relationship with God through the person of the Lord Jesus who shed his blood so that we could have our sins forgiven and be saved. And someone knowledgeable about that has very clearly presented the gospel with Donald Trump. All of us in prayer meetings, uh, from Kirk Cameron on down the line, we prayed specifically for that kind of an experience to take place. Now, as an evangelist over the years, I've seen many who prayed that prayer who did not follow through. So the real proof is in the pudding. Uh, what we will do is by faith believe that God has done a work in Donald Trump's life, and uh, in time, we will see the fruit. You know, John the Baptist told a whole group of people who came forward after he'd given a gospel invitation, and he said, go back and bring forth fruit worthy of repentance. And that is really the position that we hold. We will watch for the evidence in the change of demeanor and uh, how he treats uh, his political adversaries. You know, a Christian doesn't uh, bombastically uh, undermine people. He, does, he doesn't uh, treat people unfairly. Uh, he's consistent in his life. Now, we don't expect Donald Trump to be a mature Christian the first day he prays the prayer, but maturity is the natural process over time. So if Jesus Christ is in his life and the Spirit of God begins to manifest, that will change his demeanor. He won't be so bombastic. He won't be insulting. He won't mistreat women or degrade women. Many of the controversial statements that honestly get him votes with some sectors have lost him votes with the evangelicals, but you think there is potential for Jesus to change his life and actually manifest that good fruit. Uh, I don't really think that. Uh, my life is based on that fact, not necessarily based on the fact that Donald Trump has had that kind of experience, uh, but we know all the way back to Saul of Tarsus. I, I had one Christian lady rather aggravated with me after I made this report to a, a small group of believers at our church uh, yesterday morning. She called me last night and was just aggravated. How could you say Donald Trump has been saved? I said, ma'am, I said, Saul of Tarsus was murdering Christians when Jesus changed his life and he became the great apostle Paul. To my knowledge, Donald Trump's never murdered a Christian. I mean, he's done some pretty horrible things. But he's certainly not outside the parameter of God's grace, as is anyone for that matter. And my prayer is that this conversion experience reported on will prove to be true. What a miracle that would be, and what a blessing for our country. Well, I would be excited, too, if this is true and if it does bear fruit. Talk about the pro-life discussions. Who were the uh, evangelicals who were asking the pro-life questions, and what did they say? Uh, Marjorie Dunnemeister, I think I pronounced that correctly, uh, she uh, posed a, a question about life, and once again, his answer was general in terms. He is pro-life. Uh, his, his, 
His uh, commitment to pro-life is rather recent. It was not his history, but he's now said on numbers of occasions that he's had his mind and heart changed on that issue. He believes life is sacred, and he gave us a commitment to appoint pro-life judges and and to stand for pro-life. Uh, in typical uh, Donald Trump fashion, uh, he was very animated uh, in his remarks regarding his pro-life position, and we are trusting God that that was legitimate. Uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. Uh, gave him broad uh, 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 appreciation at that. Uh, I mean, gave a a very uh, uh, very affirming declaration of his belief that he's pro-life, as did a couple of the other speakers after Donald Trump had left, or in some cases before he came in the room. So that was uh, something that was. Uh, is a center point for evangelical Christians, and we felt good about the answers we got. Fantastic. We're going to take another short break. When we come back, we'll have Dr. Rick Scarborough speculate about who might be a good vice presidential candidate. Giving you a megaphone in Washington, D.C. Dr. Chaps will be right back. How is your marriage doing? I want to tell you about an exciting new four-part video DVD Bible study series on God's plan for marriage. In this video series, we team up with marriage and family ministry expert, Vince Dacchioli. There are a lot of things that get in the way of our ability to have a healthy marriage, but with the way God intended it, he always wanted us to see his view of our relationship together. So everything we do when we talk about marriage or whether we're talking to men or whether we're talking to pastors and leaders, it all centers around this idea of vision. It's very important that we understand who God is and our relationship with Him is right in order for us to be able to live out really and truly Ephesians. And that also informs our role as men, how to love our wives. We can't really exactly. love them unless we understand the love of God. Exactly. So if you just think about love, you, we tend to think that love is an emotion. It's more uh, something that I feel, whereas the true definition of love, the way Jesus intended it, is, is not just an emotion, but it's, it's, a, it's charity, it's what I do. You know, to the degree that I am able to see my wife or my spouse through his eyes, that determines everything in my relationship. Yeah. And we go through the scriptures in four different parts. Part one is God's design for man and woman. Part two is godly roles for husband and wife. Three is sex and intimacy within godly marriage. And also God's plan for divorce. You wanna have this important four-part video series available for a suggested donation of $30 if you call our toll-free prayer line at 866-Obey-God. Again, that's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. Or visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org you too can have a godly marriage. He is the intersection of church and state. Here is Dr. Chaps. Welcome back. We are the intersection of church and state. Me and my longtime friend, Dr. Rick Scarborough. Rick, I met you, I think back in 2005 when I was a Navy chaplain, I took a stand for the right to pray in Jesus' name. You stood with me outside of the White House when I dared to break the Navy's rules and you helped me deliver hundreds of thousands of petitions to Congress and we restored freedom to pray in Jesus' name. What else does Vision America do? Well, we try to be where the action is in all honesty. Care about uh, defending the Constitution? Uh, 
Sign a petition to Chad, uh, We typically find a hot button issue taking place in the state, and we marshal our forces to go and mobilize pastors, as we did with you, to come alongside men who stand for righteousness and truth and for traditional values. Now, over time, we've gotten a little more sophisticated in our operation. We now have about uh, 14 full, full or part-time employees. Uh, we, we do a lot of things in terms of mobilization of, of the evangelical vote in, in uh, key states. We never endorse candidates. We never tell people how to vote. We, uh, we focus on voter registration and then encouraging the pastors and churches to mobilize their people to go into the polling place. And we like to say, not as Republicans or Democrats, but as followers of Christ, I call them Christocrats, who vote their biblical values in the polling place. And we've had remarkably good success in states where we've worked when Christians are mobilized. Uh, typically, if they vote, overwhelmingly they vote for people who share their values. And that's what Vision America is about. We try to get Christians to do their civic duty before God and before man to stand for our values in the public place. And you have a nonprofit 501c3 at visionamerica.org. You have a 501c4, I think, a little more political at visionamericaaction.org. What would people see if they go there? Well, a host of current issues, things that we're engaged in. Uh, we put articles by, that, that we think are helpful uh, for people to, to read and understand. And then there are some tools. We have another website. Uh, it's, it's, it's simply... 2028pastors.com 2028pastors.com uh, There, uh, pastors can go and find a tool where we will, have, for no charge, take their entire membership list, screen it against the voter files, and give them charts and graphs, uh, not telling them who voted, but telling them what percentage of their people are voting or not voting. Uh, that tool has prompted a lot of pastors to get engaged because while we find uh, more than status quo numbers of people in churches registered, less than average are voting, and that's where we're losing elections. So uh, that tool has, be a, has become a very helpful tool in helping pastors become good shepherds over their flock. It's, it's taken actually from Acts 20, 28, where God calls the pastors to be overseers of their flocks. Part of that oversight is according to Jesus' command, rendered to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's, the command to oversee that their people be good citizens. So we, we have developed that tool. It's been widely used, and God is using it to move pastors to be more active in getting their people to vote their values. And Rick, you said that's 2028pastors.com. Is that right? That's correct. Fantastic. So, Let's get into speculation about who Donald Trump should pick as a vice presidential candidate. Who do you think the evangelical ministers that you were with in New York City, over a thousand leaders, who would they prefer to be his, his nominee? Well, we didn't have that discussion. Uh, I, I can simply give you my own uh, first choice. I would love to see him pick either, either Rick Santorum or someone like him. And the reason I like Rick Santorum is I think he would be very well received in the Catholic and evangelical community. Uh, he, he's knowledgeable of the Senate and its operations, which is one of the roles of the, of the vice president. Uh, he knows his way around Washington, and he very clearly holds the values that 
that men like myself hold and cherish. Uh, there are other good choices, uh, but my first choice would be uh, Rick Santorum. I'd be very pleased with that choice. And we interviewed Rick Santorum on our TV show last year. He was the last man standing when Mitt Romney became the Republican nominee. So Correct. I think he is sort of the evangelical option. What other, I mean, he has some foreign policy strengths. What other strengths do you see he would bring to the ticket? Well, I think you just uh, nailed it. That's, that's what he concentrated on in the Senate. But, but I, I just can't overstate. Uh, in the first place, he's seasoned. Uh, he doesn't fluctuate. He doesn't back away from things that he holds dear as core values. He's a great family man and a great father. Uh, but uh, he knows his way around Washington like few equals. And when he was in the, the Senate, uh, the, the, the budget was balanced. Uh, they worked well with both sides of the aisle. But he just brings a lot of talent to the table, I think would be an excellent choice. He does. And he may bring some votes in the swing state of Pennsylvania. That could be That's critical not to, estimated. That's correct. to winning the election. Rick, we have about two minutes here. Uh, you talked about being born again. You talked about your faith in Jesus Christ. Would you lead somebody in prayer? Maybe there's a viewer out there who does not know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. What would you say to them? Well, I'd say to them, uh, God loves them more than they will ever understand. In fact, uh, there are four laws that I often share with people. Law number one, God loves you, and he has a plan for your life, a crafted, carefully laid out plan that he wants to reveal to you. But number two, there's something in your life that he hates, and the Bible calls that sin, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It is the sin that separates husbands from wives. Sin separates children from their parents, and sin separates sinners from God. But the third thing, that the third law I would share is, God has made a provision for that sin, and that provision was none other than his own son who came to this earth, never sinned, but then died for our sins, rose from the grave conquering death, and it is through the provision of the Lord Jesus, God's Son, that you can have peace with God. But the fourth law of God is that though Jesus died for all, all are not saved, because God will never force His love upon man. God will never force you to be His child. That's a choice you have to make. 30 seconds. The Bible says, but as many as received Jesus, to them give he the power to become the sons and daughters of God. Amen. If you would open your heart to Jesus, he would come into your life, forgive your sin, and completely change your course of life. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I've done many things that I know were wrong. But I do believe that you died on the cross of Calvary for sinners like me. Today, Lord Jesus, I believe you died specifically for me. So come into my heart. Wash away my sin and give me a brand new life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. If you prayed that prayer, the Lord Jesus just came into your life. Get in touch with Chaps. He'll tell you more about how to walk with God. Thank you. Our guest has been Dr. Rick Scarborough, visionamerica.org. We're out of time. God bless you.
Chaplain Klingenschmidt is a graduate of the U.S. Air Force Academy who earned his Ph.D. in theology from Regent University. As a former Navy chaplain, by taking a public stand for freedom of speech and religious expression, and by sacrificing his own 16-year career and million-dollar pension, he was vindicated by the U.S. Congress, who changed the law and restored freedom for military chaplains to pray in Jesus' name. Dr. Chaps not only defended the Constitution, but his petitions have helped change the law in 10 states, restoring freedom to pray in Jesus' name. Dr. Chaps needs your financial support to stay on the air. Would you please send your best donation today? Please visit PrayInJesusName.org to donate online. Or you can mail a check to Pray In Jesus Name Ministries, Post Office Box 77077, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80970. You can also call us toll free right now at 866-Obey-God. That's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. Please sign up for our free emails at PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org.